Lord, this morning, I just thank you for your spirit here with us today. I pray for open hearts, open minds, ears to hear what the Lord is saying. And I pray, Lord, I pray for what your word says in Proverbs 22.4, by humility and by the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and length of days. I pray for a revelation of that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Jesus was a guest of dinner here at this place. It made me think about some of the more memorable dinners I've ever had. I think the best dinner date I ever went on was at the Nara Sushi Restaurant. Anyone like sushi? You ever been to Nara down there in 4th and Division? They serve sushi. I was there with uh, some friends, and I remember that out of the blue, the waitress, whose dad was the owner, got into a fight with her dad. Screaming match in Korean. And they were throwing dishes at each other. And you could hear it breaking in the back. I don't know if they were swearing in Korean, because I don't know what language it was, but I mean, it was really entertaining. I remember looking at other gifts, our eyes were wide-eyed. We were kind of like, what did we get into? <laughs> so when the waitress came out, she asked, you know, what the f- meal was that we wanted. And, and I remember the, the, my date at the time was a little nervous, and she was like, uh, can I get a coffee? And, and the waitress was like, this is Korean restaurant, only tea. So... <laughs> I was like, I tipped great. That was the best memorable, you know, restaurant experience I've ever been on. Can you imagine having dinner with Jesus? Uh, You would think that it would be kind of pleasant and chill, right? I mean, it's Jesus. You might be surprised, though, when you sit down to eat with him and he starts making statements and and, and bringing up questions about life. And so this morning, what I want to highlight is a little table talk. Uh, that's what Jesus was doing. And I want to highlight what I call habits of the humble. It, this chapter uh, has uh, actually three parables, and, and they deal with humility. I, I'm going to highlight the two of them. That's highlight the word put on my heart, man. I was just studying and praying about it all week, and I, I just felt strongly impressed to highlight uh, the, this, this parable here, the verses here. What's so interesting here has to do with the way that humble people engage with one another, uh, the habits of the humble. It says in verse 7, Uh, that Jesus told a parable to those who were invited uh, when he noted how they chose the best places. Now, Jesus noticed the seats that people were taking. He's very observant. Uh, He's kind of watching to see how they were interacting. And when he noted that, this is when he began uh, his story in verse 8. He said, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, which was a big deal in Bible times, in, in the Jewish home, he said, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invite you and come and say to you, give place to this man. And then he said, you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. So the first thing that I would note about humility is that humble people look for wisdom. You know, that there's wisdom in humility. And a humble and wise person is going to be more adept at figuring out where at this table do I need to sit at. You know, scholars believe that Jesus was the guest of honor in this moment. They sat at what was called a triclinium in, in Roman the era. And it was like a U-shaped table where Jesus would be in the center. And then, you know, there was different guests who sat on different sides. And the closer you were to the front, the more honored the place was. But the further back you were, the less honored it was. And perhaps it was a Pharisee or someone, but Jesus noticed that they were maneuvering to try to get up where he was at. And the thing about parables is they're filled with wisdom. And you know, the wisdom of God is available to you. It's revealed in the Word of God. And these parables are so interesting to me 
I mean, the things that Jesus talked about and the thing that he emphasized in his teaching may not be the thing in the uber-success-driven church culture that we live in today that many of us would think about. He, he, he's here highlighting humility. What a great thought this week when I was thinking about humility. I was thinking about billionaires on submarines going to look for the Titanic. And, and I was thinking, man, I mean, like, like there's so much. That, they said the reason that that submarine imploded was because of hubris. Not enough testing on it. You know, I was thinking about Vladimir Putin being chased around by some of the people in his country trying to take him out. You want to talk about a person who lacks humility. I was thinking about social media posts and Facebook fights that people get into. And if you want to see an arrogance on display, look no further than a Twitter account. Come on, somebody. You'll find it alive and well. Yeah. You know, this first parable is aimed at people who were invited to the feast. And what Jesus is addressing is the lack of humility. The thing about humble people is that they want to learn. Man, I started reading a great autobiography by a, a man I'd never read before. Uh, and he, he said he was abused as a child. His dad always called him a moron. And the first thing he learned about being a moron, that's the name of his book by Mike Evans, the founder of the Jerusalem Prayer Team. He said, the first lesson I've learned as a moron is to get a mentor. I need a mentor. And he said, when you get, have a mentor, it, it, it's like it takes away your pride because you're willing to learn something from someone else. Humble people realize they don't know everything. Yeah, I started the year in 2023. I was telling you all, I felt like this was a year where you needed wisdom in your life. Man, I've been seeking out wisdom. I, I, it's like, I feel like in my own personal life, I've grown in wisdom. Uh, I, I've really been, you know, crying out for it, seeking it. Uh, that, that means I've seen it happen in my leadership. I, I've seen it happen in parenting, in, in the emotion making. I feel like God has really increased my own personal level of wisdom because I've been, I've been crying out for it. Here's the thing you've got to know about wisdom. It has to be sought for. Proverbs 22 says you've got to cry out for it and, and, and value it and seek it as if it was fine silver. I love to read books, man. I'm reading books all the time trying to learn, trying to get better. Uh, I love to ask questions. I've got a plethora of older men that I can come talk to about advice. And, and it's great to get some insight from them. It's great to have failures that take place sometimes because you can learn so much from mistakes. You can't shy away from them. It's something to be sought after. The thing about wisdom is that it helps you avoid embarrassment. I mean, that's really what Jesus is highlighting in this story. I was thinking about a time uh, when I was kind of ambitious. I wanted to impress this girl I was on, and I went on a date. My sister flew out from Seattle to a football game. We were going to go to the Seahawks and the Broncos. Preseason football game. And I thought, I'm going to take everyone on a double date. So I got the girl I was trying to impress. I had my sister. We had another guy lined up with her. Anyway, I got these tickets, and they were seat F, right there in the middle 50-yard line, third deck. Oh, I was so happy. I was sitting there enjoying it. And just a few minutes in, someone came and it kind of rubbed me on the elbow. Hey, hey, you're in my seat. I was like, I ain't in your seat. Look, man, I got the tickets right here. And so we looked at it and my seats didn't say F. They said FF. I was in the last row all the way at the very top. So we had to get up there and uh, I was removed from that seat. It was a very humiliating moment. Um, and I was ambitious to impress, but needless to say, it didn't go so well. <laughs> I guess the lesson I learned in that situation was not to take my sister on double dates anymore. 
She was probably the least impressed. She still talks about that. She felt like she was totally ignored. <laughs> Ambition will get you in trouble. <laughs> See, I want wisdom for life. And you know, uh, I'm grateful for my wife. She tells me she's always seeking after wisdom. I'm so grateful for that, man. A wife who loves wisdom, wants to grow. And, and people will often ask me as a pastor, what can I pray for you about? And I say the same thing. I pray for wisdom in my life. I could use more wisdom. And so many decisions you got to make and things you're growing in. And, and, and so I always pray for the wisdom of God in my life. Now, a second habit of humble people here is in this 10th verse that I want to highlight. Think about what Jesus said. When you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place. I should have read those uh, tickets better and gone to the highest deck. <laughs> so that when he who invited you says, come up, he might say to you, friend, go up higher. And then he said, you have glory in the presence of those who sit with you at the table. So it, here's a thought that came to me about humility. If you want humility in your life, here's the habit of humble people. You got to know your role. What, what do I mean by knowing your role? A wise person, humble people understand their value and their place in the kingdom of heaven. They're, they're, they're okay with it. You understand God has uniquely created you. And he has bestowed you with gifts and talents. That's more parables Jesus talked about. The parable of the minus. The parable of the talents. He's given you things. In fact, the book of Romans, Paul said it's irrevocable. He doesn't take it away. He gives you things uh, that he's commonly given to people. He's given you gifts and, and graces. And, and so if you want to know which seat to choose when the time comes, you got to know your role. That means you need humility and wisdom. You know, we talked about that. That's obvious. you got to have that in your life. Uh, but if you want to know your role, you need to be secure in who you are. A lot of people jockeying for positions in this day and age that we live in. And what it reveals is a deep-seated level of insecurity. People who are secure are willing to accept a role. And I've found that the only place security really is found is in the love of God. When you know how much He loves you, you become very secure in that. I would say the older I get, the more secure I become. I mean, it's really incredible. As I age and, and mature in, in life, I, I get much more secure in who God has created me to be. You got to accept who God's created you to be. When you do that, it frees you to be your authentic self. The problem we have as people is that we're often comparing ourselves with somebody else. You're looking at people and you're thinking they got something better than you are, but, but bigger than what you have. I sometimes look at other ministers and I'm like, man, I wish I had that ability. I wish I had, you know, that gifting. I, I wish I had that church. Or I'll have all these comparisons in my mind. I remember one day the Lord rebuked me. When he rebukes you, he often does it with a Bible verse. And he, he, he gave me the book of Romans chapter 9, verse 20. Shall the thing formed say to him who created it, why have you created me this way? God has created you with certain gifts, talents, and abilities, and he expects that you use that, grow that, and develop that. And when you discover that for your life, I'm telling you, it will bring you into a place of security where you know what he's called you to do. Here's the thing about a habit of a humble person. They, they don't look for recognition. This is what knowing your role is about. It's about not looking for recognition. You know the parable here reveals something? That nobody outgrows the possibility of wanting to feel important or avoid embarrassment. That is why little children say, hey, dad, look, as they do a half cartwheel. Or it's why they don't want you to look at them when they've fallen out of 
the tree swing. <laughs> Stay away. Don't look. And Jesus is a realist. He understands the human condition. He knows what's driving people. He understands the needs that people have. You know, I, I was kind of impressed. I was talking to a, a guy who had transitioned careers. He, he was in a, a well company, you know, pumping, and, and he, he just kind of got frustrated. He ended up leaving. And so I said, do you miss your job? He'd been out of it for about two years. He said something interesting to me. He said, I miss the feeling of being important. It used to be that people would come to me because they needed answers. And, and so he said, without that, I don't, I don't feel that same level of importance. That's a very interesting insight into the human psyche. The thing about knowing a role is it really is discovered as you go in life. I mean, this is one of the greatest things I've learned about God. You don't, you don't know everything that's going to happen. He gives you a plan. He puts something in your heart. And by faith, you have to walk it out. You have to take steps one, two, and three. And along the way, he'll start showing you steps six, seven, and eight. You, you, you walk in faith. And, and it's like the plan of God becomes more clear the more you walk in it. You discover that role. He has the ability to raise and, and set up people. You know, I was listening to the story of a man named Arthur Blessett. You ever heard of Arthur Blessett? Yeah. Now, Arthur Blessett set the Guinness World Record for carrying a cross. And he would carry a cross everywhere he went. I mean, he carried it more than anyone else in the world. And, and that carrying of the cross led him to some pretty incredible people he came across. Well, one time he was invited to a Jesus rally in Washington, D.C. And the founders of the rally were pretty excited to have Arthur there. They were excited that was until they learned that when he was in D.C., he was asked also to be at a church in Virginia just a few days before their event. And they were a little concerned because they thought that church in Virginia was just a little over the top. They thought it was just a little too much... A little too scary for him, a little, little too much of the Holy Spirit moving. And so they didn't, they said, if you go there, we're, we're not going to be able to have you come. And Arthur said, I don't know what to do. Where do you say no to the call of God that's on your life? So he said, I'm going to accept the invitations that come to me. He went to that church in Virginia. And when he showed up at the DC rally, people started going crazy. They saw him, they started clapping, they started applauding, and it was so obvious that the people who put on the event had no choice but to go ahead and invite him up where he could say a few words like they had originally intended to. God was the one who set that up. But it happened as you walk out the call of God. You, you, you got to walk wherever the Lord leads you in places because you have a role to play in the kingdom of God, and he is the one who will bring his plans for your life to pass. That's what he said. I'll bring it to pass. I'll take care of it. That, that's, that's what Paul wrote in in Timothy, God called him in the ministry, and he'll finish that call. Now, let, let's talk about uh, a third habit of humble people uh, that's taking place here at this table. I love the 11th verse right here. Mm. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself, Scripture says here, will be exalted. You know, the thing about humble people is that they're happy with hiddenness. Uh, a person who's humble is okay to, to not have to exalt himself. The, the, the word here, exalt, is the Greek word hisippo, which means lifted up or favored. It's representative of God's endorsement. And the idea here that Jesus is saying is that humility brings forth promotion. Do you realize Jesus made this statement a number of times in the gospel? Several times. He, several times Jesus said what we just read, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, the book of James said it this way, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. 
You know, there, there's a, a class system that seems to always exist in every society. It just seems like no matter where you are, there are some people who seem to have more prestige and are more well-known and, and seem to have a little more favor than you do. They seem like they're more important than you do. And in a culture that celebrates celebrity, it's like we just can't get away from it. But I want you to keep this in mind, that God is the one who does the promoting. Psalm 75, it says that promotion, exaltation does not come from the West or the South or the East. It says God is the judge, that he raises people up. Daniel 2.21, he raises kings and he removes kings. He's the one who gives influence. He's the one that brings breakthroughs into your life. He's the one that asks you to come up and sit at a higher place at the table. And what I've seen is that people who are self-promoting usually end up in frustration. I know it because I've done it. I know it because I've seen it. You know, I like to talk about the one time I got promoted at a job was at the Laurel Golf Club. And uh, they had me come work in the pro shop out there. And they told me I was the youngest person that they'd ever promoted to the pro shop. Well, the people I was working with, my high school friends, did not appreciate that. And, and they, they, they didn't lie to me. I appreciate that. They, they told me they went in and talked to the management. They want to know why Jordan got promoted and they didn't. And the management said, well, uh, he shows up every day to work. He's got a good attitude and he wasn't late. That's why. <laughs> and people who are always trying to push themselves forward in a good light, it just seems like it becomes a frustrating route, doesn't it? Servanthood is a pathway to promotion. If you're not happy, just go ahead and be a servant. Man, we, we live in a culture with people who are not happy. Have you discovered that? It's like, man, I just was reading a statistic that said young people are even less happy than anyone else. Happiness, is okay. it's okay to be a servant. I mean, you know, it reminds me of you know, a story I heard about, about, about a guy. Uh, he, he happened to be living with his mother. And she said, get up. It's time to go to church. And he replied back, I don't want to. No, I'm staying in bed. Get up. We got to go to church. No. He said, give me three reasons why I should go to church. She said, well, number one, I hate being late and we're going to be late. She said, number two, you're a 42 year old man. It's time to grow up. And number three, you're the pastor of the church. You need to get over there and do that. I think about that joke often. There are moments when I don't always feel like coming to church. You know that? And I'm willing to bet sometimes that even happens to you. Isn't that true? You know, I was like, first emotion. You know, it's a funny thing. Your emotions can go up and down. And, and somehow you got to, if you're mature as a person emotionally and spiritually, you can maintain your sense of happiness. Now, I was thinking about VBS this Wednesday. I was in okay mood, but, you know, I mean, I was kind of tired. I had some things in my mind. I, I was like, you know, coming here and going through things. And, 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 and while we're at VBS and I'm running around chasing children and, and carrying a, well, I'm chasing people is what I'm doing. Managing children as they're running around. I ran across some kids who, um, they said, the, the mom came. She said, well, we, we, got, we got the flyer. You know, I don't get to come to church, but I got these guys over here. All of a sudden, man, my heart went real big. And I felt very happy serving somebody. And, and boy, it's, if, you, if you aren't happy and, and you're kind of frustrated, just go ahead and find someone you can be a blessing to. Get a child, bless them, serve them. Get someone who's elderly, love on them. Find a way to be a blessing. It will bring happiness into your life. And you don't even need to be recognized to do it. It's a place where happiness comes from. That's what Jesus said. Just be a servant. 
get out of the way and, and let me be a blessing to you. The closer I have grown to the Lord, the happier I have become. Because I'm finding I don't have to strive after things. I can just appreciate and enjoy who God has called me to be and be a blessing in his kingdom. That's what the Bible says. It's good to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. David said, I'm content doing that. That's all it takes is just a little humility in your life. Here's the last habit of uh, humble people. And this is the, uh, the 12th verse where the Lord said uh, to him who invited him. This is the, um, the second parable is aimed at the people who were hosting the event. So the first one was aimed at the guests who came. This one's aimed at the hosts. He said, when you give a dinner or a supper, don't ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they invite you back and be repaid. But he said, when you give a feast, uh, he said, invite the poor, the maim, the lame, the blind. And look what he said. You'll be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you should be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Here is a fourth habit of humble people. Bless people who cannot repay you. That is the point of what he's saying right here. The idea is to give something without the expectation of receiving something in return for it. And I have heard people who get way out there with their expectations. I mean, I've had people bragging about how much they've given and expecting something to come back to them. That's not what this verse tells us. You bless those who cannot repay you. Your friends, your brothers, brother-in-laws, relatives, rich neighbors, those are the best ones. Uh, they can hit you back. They can have a barbecue next week. But the verse says here, poor people, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, they're not able to have a barbecue and have you over. So the point would be befriend people who don't befriend you. Uh, who befriend you. You know, I, I like the idea of not having a clicky church. I, I want people to come and feel welcomed whoever they are. And I'm always blessed when I come across somebody who, you know, I don't know, or they seem like they're marginalized, and they come talk. I love that. Spend time with people who have nothing but time on their hands. That is a super annoying thing to me, because I feel like I'm a busy man. Uh, where's my 98-year-old grandma? She's not here today. Uh, grandma has got nothing but time on her hands. She reminded me she's um, not old yet. 99 is old. She'll be 99 next month. <laughs> but if you go down to the basement to talk to grandma, it's hard to get away from. So I love grandma. And when I have my moments, I take, I, I try to bless her because you make 99, you might have some wisdom in your life, right? Humble people will give freely and they receive things freely. You know, Matthew chapter 10, freely you receive, freely you give because humility understands it's not mine anyway. I'm willing to give on behalf of what is God's. Everything I have belongs to God. That's an attitude of a humble person. Here's what you should keep in mind about blessing people who can't pay you back. That your reward is spiritual and not necessarily material. I like what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Eye is not seen, nor is ear heard, nor have entered the heart of a man that thinks God has prepared for those that love him. He's got some great things prepared for you in your life. Now, I'm grateful for the house I have. And I remember the Lord led me to buy that house. It was, you know, pretty beat up when we bought it. But the Lord put us there. It, it wasn't, it's a material thing, but it was God's blessing that moved me there. It was a spiritual thing. His blessing pushed me there. I'm grateful for this church. I'm grateful we got it paid off. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. But 
It's the blessing of the Lord that did that. See, God has got something better for you in life. I like what he said to the you know, writer of Hebrews said about people who died in faith. God had something better for them. God has got something better for you than strictly material things, as you know that. This is the first time Jesus ever mentioned the word resurrection. First part of his teaching read said that. He called it here the resurrection of the just. The thing about the reward God has for you is it is uh, not a temporary reward. It is an eternal reward. You know, my, uh, my children have both won like citizenship awards at Canyon Creek School where they go over here. And they came running to me. Dad, dad. And they showed me their plaques. Look what we got. We're good citizens. Yeah. I was proud of them, and they got to get up there in front of the school, and they, you know, I mean, and, and I, I thought about how that, that's great. I'm proud. It's a temporary thing. It, it, it's like your recognition in front of people. It 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 goes on, it moves on. But this reward, the resurrection of the righteous, that's when it's going to be repaid, and it's going to be an eternal thing. What happens at the resurrection of the righteous? This parable gives us a preview. One day, according to Second Corinthians five ten. You're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ. And you are going to give an account of the things you've done in the body, whether good or whether bad. That's what it says. It's called the Bema seat. And honor and humiliation are going to be open to all. The real state of your relationship with God is going to be known. Nothing is going to be hidden from. That, and that's when the eternal thing, the secrets of hearts are going to be revealed in that day. That, and that's when God has the ability to repay eternally. See, when you bless those who cannot repay you, your reward is from God and not from man. And God will reward you in ways people can't. I mean, he, he'll make your path straight. He'll bring the right people into your life. Uh, he'll, he'll favor you with his goodness. He'll heal your body. He'll go before you and make a way. Man, there's, there's just this ability God has to take care of his people. I love him so much about it. I, I was just really thinking about areas of my own life where I need to grow in humility. I was facing them down this week. And, and I, I just feel like, man, there's, this is an area of personal growth for so many of us. It is understanding the value system that the Lord put in humility. He, he sat around a table and had this talk with him. How would you like to have Jesus over for dinner? That would be an interesting conversation indeed. I doubt that he would be throwing dishes and fighting with people. But he might ask these pressing questions. Mm. He might ask you if you're crying out for wisdom, if you're actively seeking it, if you're willing to sit at his feet and learn from him. People who are arrogant think they got to figure everything out on their own. But people who are humble are actively seeking after wisdom. How can I grow? How can I get better? How can I learn? How can I apply this to my life? He might ask you um, if you're okay with the role he's given you in his kingdom. He might ask you if you're happy with the season you're in. And that is something I have been wrestling with God. And in wrestling with God about like seasons God puts you through, places he's got for you, I have found that the, the key is to know him, hold on to him. Instead of pursuing visions and dreams and things you're after, why don't you just pursue him? He's the one who will promote you.
He's the one who brings things in your life. It's, it's his business to give you those things. He, he raises people up. He sets people down. There's something incredible about that. If you're sitting there with the table at Jesus, he might ask you if you have blessed people who cannot repay you. He, he might ask what, 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 what's in your area that, uh, of influence you could be a blessing to. It's a godly thing. I like what the book of James says. That, that true religion, that's the word it uses, before God and the Father, is to visit orphans and widows in their time of trouble. There's something about being a blessing to children. Something about helping people. And I remember, you know, the time that came when we have a church that had opportunity to do that. And blessing people who can't repay has been one of the greatest wealth blessing strategies I have ever come across. In fact, I'm always looking for people. Who can I bless this is, they, they couldn't give it back. Man, what a wonderful, freeing, happy thing that is. Yeah. Who wants to grow wisdom? Yeah. How about growing in humility? By humility and the fear of the Lord, length of days, long life, and blessing will come into you. Mm. I want to just take a moment and pray. Whew, Lord, <laughs> I thank you, Father, for your blessing. You know, I just felt as I, as I was... Getting ready to hear prayer. I feel I feel God's wisdom hitting you, like overwhelming us. Oh, Father, I receive the wisdom of God. I prayed over the people of God. I pray for wisdom. I pray that we would grow as a people in humility. I, I pray for supernatural wisdom to know what to do with businesses, to know what to do with problems, to know what to do with raising children. Man, I feel I feel people's hearts pulling at wisdom. What to do? I, I, it's like I can sense you're, you're, there's there's things in your heart that you need. You know you need wisdom for you. You humble enough to ask God, how do I handle this situation? I feel like the Lord's given that wisdom out right now. You're going to receive it now. You're going to go home. You're going to know what to do. It's me by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives that wisdom. He's the one who handles problems. He goes before you. He makes a way. It's His wisdom, and all you have to do is ask from it. It's freely received. It's freely given. The Book of James says, just ask for wisdom. He'll give it to you. Father, I thank, I thank you for a sense of security and confidence in God's people. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray over them right now. Ooh. You know, I feel the peace of God right now. I feel the wisdom of the Lord coming in. Yeah. Peace and wisdom. Sense of security. Lord Jesus. Yeah. He goes before he makes a way. If you don't mind, let's just take a moment and wait on them. Sometimes I get in trouble because I go in life too fast. But I just feel this peace here. Wisdom. Peace. Goodness and gentleness. Thank you, Father. And Jesus. I thank you. like this much. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Mm. Oh, the peace of the Lord is here. Jesus. Mm. 
Here's the thing about wisdom is on an individual basis, case-by-case scenarios and situations, God's got wisdom for you. And I feel like this morning, with the peace of God here, he's given you wisdom for the things that you're faced with. And you're going to get answers and insights this very week. Amen. You know, I was, um, I was thinking about another memorable meal I had in an Asian restaurant. Anyone ever been to Benihana's? Yeah, so that's a California place. What's the one that we have here? Uh, the, yeah, it's the one over on Grand Avenue. It's, it's a hibachi. They, they cut the food up for you, and then they throw, like, eggs at you. Yeah, and if you're good, you can catch it. Yeah, but sometimes it misses you, but it's a great eating experience. Anyway, we were, we were going to Benihana with my uncle and my uncle's friends, and we went there at lunch, and it was busy. There was, like, no seats left. So we were out in line. We were we, there for two hours. But my uncle, his friend, he went up and he pulled out a wad of like $100 bills. And so he, he, he said, where's the manager at? The manager came out and so he's like 100, 200, 300, 400. By the time we get to 500, the manager's like, come on in, come on in. So we like skipped the line and we went and sat down all eight of us in that restaurant. <laughs> and, and it made me think about uh, how Jesus has paid the price for your meal. Uh, there, there's a meal in heaven. It's called the marriage supper of the lamb. And it's a feast for only the righteous. It's the meal of a lifetime. Uh, you're invited to that feast. He, he's, he, he's got you lined up. There's a table lined up for you. And all you have to do is receive it. You can't earn it. That, that's the thing that people don't understand about the Lord. That's why he, he's opposed to pride. Because all it is is a free gift that you receive. Where you say, Lord, you, you've paid the price for me. I didn't earn it. I can't, I can't do it in my own strength. Your righteousness has been paid for by you. And I just wanted to make sure you got the invite to that meal. He, he, he's got, you have access to that restaurant, access to that meal in heaven. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to make sure you're right with the Lord. Yeah. If you feel like, I don't have tickets for that meal, I'm not right with him. Uh, I, I've tried to earn things in my own strength. I want you to put a hand up on a prayer. Yeah. We have uh, a house where people feel like they're righteous before the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. Let me just encourage you to go find someone, love on them, bless them, invite them out to church, bring a kid to VBS. Hey, we had a great time with that. Use the gifts and the talents that God has given you to reach somebody else. Amen. Let's stand up here this morning. All right, Father, I thank you for your, your goodness and your love and your mercy. Now, a lot of times at the end of the service, uh, I feel the Lord come on me, and I would say that I felt him come on me more and more lately the older I've gotten. And so I, I try to just take moments and just minister to people if the Lord puts something in my heart. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't. So to do that is, is just if people want prayer. And I want to invite you, if you need prayer, if you've got a wisdom situation, if, if maybe your own pride is in the way and you don't know what to do, you could be humble enough to come down and get prayer and watch what the Lord might do in your life. And I'm definitely willing to pray for people who want that. We have a team of people who are willing to pray. If you've got problems, if you've got situations, and if you need to know your role, if you're not really sure what God has called you to do, I'm telling you that is something that people pray all the time. It's a great need of the human heart. We will pray with you. God will answer you. He'll show you your path. So I do need a few servants as we close out to get the first two rows of chairs stacked up and put off to the side so we can have copious amounts of children in here running around playing with animals. It would be a wonderful thing if you could help me out with that. So 
Get some chairs stacked. If you want prayer, we're here for you. We love you very much. And we'll catch you all next week. Or we'll catch you on Wednesday night. We're having fun. I love you all. I will see you next week.